on this Truth and Reconciliation Weekend where we marked the Day of Truth and Reconciliation yesterday, we acknowledge today that we are worshiping on the unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq. We are standing in the place they call the place of coal, the place that we call Sydney Mines, the place we call home. Let's take a moment as we prepare our hearts to worship God this day. Our responsive psalm today is Psalm 78. Give heed to my teachings, O my people. Turn your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth to the I will reveal the hidden meaning of things in the past. What we have heard and known, what our parents have told us, we will not hide from their grandchildren. But to declare to the next generation the testimony that you gave to Jacob and the law you appointed to Israel, which you commanded them to teach their children. That the next generation might know them, children yet unborn, and these in turn should arise and tell their children. That they should put their trust in you, and not forget your great deeds, but keep all your commands. Marvelous things you did in the sight of our ancestors, in the land of Egypt, in the plain of Zoan. You divided the sea and let them go through, and made the waters stand up like a wall. By day you led with a cloud, and all the night long with a beacon of fire. You slid across in the wilderness, and gave drink in plenty as from the great east. You brought streams out of the rock. pray. Holy God, you meet us here in the quietness of this space, in the presence of your people, to join together in worship. Worship which celebrates the gift of your love shown in Jesus Christ, our Savior and friend. As we worship, may we feel your spirit move among us, in song, in word, in the celebration of your feast. May all these things help us encounter you, be with us, we ask, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our opening hymn is Rejoice, the Lord is King.
The scripture today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. A question about Jesus' authority. Jesus had gone into the temple and was teaching when the chief priests and the leaders of the people came up to him. They asked, what right do you have to do these things? Who gave you this authority? Jesus answered, I have just one question to ask you. If you answer it, I will tell you where I got the right to do these things. Who gave John the right to baptize? Was it God in heaven or merely some human being? They thought it over and said to each other, we can't say that God gave John this right. Jesus will ask us why we didn't believe John. On the other hand, these people think that John was a prophet, and we are afraid of what they might do to us. That's why we can't say that it was merely some human who gave John the right to baptize. So they told Jesus, we don't know. Jesus said, then I won't tell you who gave me the right to do what I do. A story about two sons. Jesus said, I will tell you a story about a man who had two sons. Then you can tell me what you think. The father went to the older son and said, Go work in the vineyard today. His son told him that he would not do it, but later he changed his mind and went. The man then told his younger son to go work in the vineyard. The boy said he would, but he didn't go. Which one of the sons obeyed his father? The older one, the chief priests and leaders answered. Then Jesus told them, You can be sure that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you ever will. When John the Baptist showed you how to do right, you would not believe him. But these evil people did believe. And even when you saw what they did, you still would not change your minds and believe. The word of the Lord.
Let us pray. Lord, we do come together here as one before you. A people united through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we reflect on the word for us this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. As mentioned earlier, yesterday we observed the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. It's a relatively new day in our calendar, but it is an important day, especially in the context of the history of our nation. Truth and Reconciliation is about the process of repairing the damage Canada has done to our First Nations communities all across our country. It's about acknowledging the pain we've inflicted upon them through things like the 60 scoop and the residential and residential schools all within the last hundred years. It's popularly called the 60 scoop, but it actually lasted from the 1950s to the 1980s. And it was the forced removal of children from families living on reserves and placing them in white people's homes. This was in response to what the government saw as unfit parenting rampant poverty, high death rates, and addictions happening in reserve homes. What they failed to address was the fact that these issues were the direct, over, direct result of government oversight, or lack thereof. The role government had in and over their communities. After about a century of living under devastating government policies, such as the Indian Act and residential schools, First Nations reserves were underserviced and under-resourced, which led to many, many problems for the people living there, all of which was out of their control. It is estimated that over 20,000 people were forcibly, 20,000 children were forcibly removed from their homes over four decades during the 60s scoop, and they were sent to homes all over the world. Roughly half went to the United States, and some were even sent as far as way, our way as New Zealand. As for the residential schools, it is documented that it was said that the, these are attempts to remove the Indian from the child. And there are many, many stories of abuse that happened inside these schools. Stories that are unimaginable me, for me to consider what it must have been like for those children. Stories of children showing up for their first day of school, speaking their native language, the only language they knew, and being strapped for not speaking English, a language they did not know. Stories of physical and sexual abuse. Stories of bodies being disposed in unmarked graves, and even worse, into furnaces. And to think the church the church not only stood by silently, it was actively involved in running these schools. While most of the blame has fallen on the Catholic Church, the United Church also ran a number of these schools across the country. And this is all within the last hundred years of our nation. The scoop went from the 50s well into the 80s. The last residential school closed in 1996. That's less than 30 years ago. And to think, I, as a child of the 80s, I was completely unaware 
But the, the fact that children my age are being taken from their homes and placed in places that are full of abuse. And they were done so by the government and the church. As Canadians, we like to look at other nations and point out their flaws, their problems, their sins. We look at places like South Africa and their history of apartheid and we condemned it at the time, like we should have. We obviously point out the problems of Nazi Germany and the Holocaust. But we have been reluctant to deal with a genocide happening within our own borders. And that's a very good name for it, a genocide against First Nations people as we sought to erase them from our history. This is a genocide that still exists in some ways today. Indigenous women disappear far too often. Thus, we now have the Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women movement. Indigenous men make up a far greater, a, a disproportionate percentage in our prison systems. There are First Nation reserves without clean drinking water for decades. There are still places of poverty, addiction, and abuse. Why does this still exist today? Well, part of it is because we have inflicted generational trauma on our brothers and sisters through the Indian Act and residential schools. Trauma that has been passed down from generation to generation. Imagine living under strict government control for a century. Under a law whose sole purpose was to integrate you into, our, into, regular, life, into regular society, white people lifestyles. And they did it through the limiting of resources and forced re-education. They were either going to learn to live like us and like it, or be erased from society. That was the options, not that they really had a voice in the matter. And all of this, while the church not only stood by and watched, but played an active role in the abuse, in the genocide. This is why things like the Truth and Reconciliation Report are so important. We must acknowledge the truth of our roles and what happened to our brothers and sisters. We must work to reconcile the damage that was done and to help them be restored as equal members of society, a society that should be uh, welcoming of all ethnicities, all lifestyles, all backgrounds, a society where everyone is safe and welcome and free. I touched on this a little bit in my message last week around the LGBTQ plus community, how we, we are just simply love, called to love as God loves us. We don't need to understand, we don't even need to fully agree, but we can always love. The same applies to our brothers and sisters of indigenous descent. We don't need to understand, but we can love them. We can learn from them. We can seek to help where it is appropriate, in places where they have asked us to walk with them alongside. And right now they're asking us to walk with them through the truth and reconciliation process to work together to bring healing so our nation can move forward together in peace and partnership, respectful of the gifts everyone brings to this country and to this world. When you think about it, this is how Jesus lived his life. Jesus came to the earth and he walked with people in the most basic 
form. Jesus simply walked with people. He helped them understand what they brought to this world. He lifted up the broken and the abused, many of whom were punished for their status in society, things beyond their control, like being poor or disabled. He showed them they belonged in this world God created. He, he shows us that this limitless universe wasn't created so that one person could exert control over another. It wasn't created for billionaires to hoard resources. It was created so that we may share in the life God has for us together. Caring for what God has blessed us with and growing as his children. As all of us are created in his image. From Matthew 21 today, our scripture reading comes shortly after Jesus makes his final re-entry into Jerusalem. A story where the crowds cheer him on as he passes through the city gates riding on a donkey. From there he goes into the temple and he clean, chases out all the money changers and the vendors. He flips over their tables and he says, My house should be called a house of prayer. You have made it a den of robbers. And when the dust settles, he sits down with the people and he teaches them and he heals them. The next day, we pick up where we are in the reading from Matthew 21. Jesus returns to the temple and the priests come to him and they say, by what authority are you doing these things? Jesus senses a trap and he turns, he tries to flip it back on them. He says, the baptism of John, where did it come from? Is it from heaven or is it from man? And he says, if you can answer this correctly, then I'll tell you by what authority I do what I do. So the priests kind of huddle together and they evaluate their options. They say, you know, if, if we say it comes from heaven, then he's just simply going to say to them, why don't you believe? But if we say it's from man, then people are going to get upset because they think John's a pretty good guy, a pretty important guy, a prophet. And he was doing God's work. So in the end, they don't know what to do. So in order to protect themselves, they simply say, we don't know. And Jesus says, then I won't answer your question either. And as typical of Jesus, he tells us a story. A man has two sons, and there's work to be done on the farm. So he goes to the first son and says, I need you to go do some chores in the field. The first son says, nope, not today, thank you very much. But later on, he thinks about it, and he changes his mind, and he goes and does the work. The father goes to the second son, and he asks the same thing, I need you to go do some chores up in the field. And the second son says, yes, sir, I will go. But then he changes his mind and does not go. And Jesus asks the priests another question. Which son did the will of their father? And the priests reply, well, the first one, obviously. Jesus then tells them, tax collectors and prostitutes will get to heaven before you. Why? Because the tax collectors and the prostitutes, the sinners, believed what John was teaching, that the Messiah was coming. The priests heard John and saw what he was doing, 
but they chose to not believe. And they still do not believe. Now Jesus saying this would have made the priests pretty upset. They are, after all, the experts on God. They know the laws. They know the scriptures. They are the religious professionals. Yet Jesus says they will be the last to get into heaven. Well, isn't that something? I mean, the priests, they knew everything. They had scripture memorized. They had it ritualized. But they did not believe what they knew. They had it all up here in their heads, but they didn't let it get into their hearts. Even when they are presented with the Messiah standing right in front of them, face to face, the one that they themselves have been looking for, they did not believe. They chose to turn a blind eye to the truth that was standing right in front of them, speaking to them face to face. They could not, they would not, take on the challenge that Jesus presented to him, that he is the Messiah, and that through him they can see the gospel in a new way, and they can see the world in a new way, through it and through him. In our efforts to follow Jesus, we need to open ourselves to seeing the world in a new way. We need to try to see the world the way that Jesus sees it, not as a place to control, but as a place to bring healing and peace. God's healing, God's peace to all of God's people. Jesus walked among the nations. He walked with people from all the tribes, every background. He didn't discriminate them for this. He taught them. He loved them. And he tried to do the same to everyone he met. The religious leaders, they have trouble with this because they feel they are God's chosen people. They are the only ones God cares about. And you could see how they believe this if you have a narrow view of the Old Testament. They seem to have forgotten about the stories of the outsiders in the, in the Old Testament. Outsiders who were welcomed, who were, who were blessed, and that God used to do his work. And now with Jesus standing right in front of them, God sent, God's Son sent into the world, and they still do not believe. Jesus uses the story of the two sons to show how people respond to God. The religious leaders, they are the second son. They hear the Father. The Father is asking them to do something. They say they will, but in the end, they do nothing. They turn away. They're being asked to be a bit more like the first son. Reflect on what God is asking you to do. Change your minds. And come to the realization God knows what is best. In the end, just do the work God is asking you to do. By doing what Jesus is showing them. By his example, his life. What is God asking us to do? How are we responding are we saying yes, but then changing our minds and walking away to do our own thing because it doesn't line up with our own belief system? Or are we a bit hesitant at first? Then reflect and realize it truly is the best way, God's way. Canada has a brutal history in dealing with indigenous people. And now it's time to wake up and walk with them to bring truth and reconciliation and do whatever it takes to make such a thing happen. This will not be an overnight process. 
It's going to be a journey. It's going to take time. It is a journey we're being invited on to hear the stories, to learn from them, and to make Canada and the world a better place for all God's children. In the final report by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, they put forward 94 recommendations. 94 calls to action that will help heal the divide that has been carved into our nation by terrifying acts against the indigenous people by the church and by the government. Some of the 94 are quite easy to take care of, but some of them are going to take some time and hard work to achieve. But in order to move together as a people, we have to really work to get there. God looks upon the shame of our nation and he is inviting us to be part of the healing process. The United Church of Canada has apologized for its participation in the, uh, of the genocide of indigenous people through the running of, of a residential schools. But do you know that our apology has not yet been accepted? And we've made the apology on a number of occasions. And none of them have been accepted. Why? Because words are easy, but action is hard. The United Church has apologized, but we've not done any work to make any changes. And they have seen that we've not done any work. So our words have become empty. Until they see action put behind our words, then why should they accept our apology? If nothing happens, the apology, the words, are meaningless. The second son said, yes, I'll do the work, but then ended up doing nothing. His words were meaningless. The first son says no, but then reflects and says, yes, I should be doing the work, and then he goes. His actions mean something. Now, ultimately, of course, the, the, the best thing to do is say yes and then go do it. But we don't always do that. The story from Jesus shows how actions speak louder than words. The story of our actions tells us, uh, so how are our actions, telling, what are they telling about us as disciples of Jesus Christ? God is inviting us to follow Jesus. Jesus is showing us how to live. How to live as people who love and serve our neighbors. And how do we respond? What do we do when we see people suffering in the hands of another? What do we do when we're faced with the, in, the injustices of this world? Now Jesus flipped tables. He got angry. He shouted. He chased them out. And then he sat with the people who were being abused and taken advantage of, the people who came in need of help. And he loved them. And this weekend of truth and reconciliation, may we be willing to chase out those troublemakers. May we be willing to call out the injustices that still face, for example, our indigenous brothers and sisters. And may we seek to to love our neighbors and get to know them more. May we hear their stories 
May we be willing to walk with them and bring peace and truth and reconciliation for all. Our history as a nation of Canada may be marked with injustices and pain and suffering, but we have a God, we have a Father in heaven who loves everyone and wants to bring his peace and his love to the world. So let's follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Let's be part of the future that God has in store for Canada, which means, in part, working towards truth and reconciliation. Walking with those who have been here for hundreds of years before our ancestors even knew this place existed. May God lead us into these difficult places, and may we be willing to go there with him to bring hope and love, God's hope, God's love, to everyone. Amen. Just a few announcements to share today. In a few minutes, we will have communion together. As we celebrate World Communion with our brothers and sisters of Christians around the world today. Next week is Thanksgiving Sunday, and I believe we're working on some soup for at the end of the service, just a little bit. On October 13th, I should say, is Celtic Colors Open House here at Carmen, and we were actually highlighted on doors open for churches on Facebook yesterday, and I shared that this morning. So we got a few pictures and a bit of a brief history of Carmen has been posted, so hopefully we'll have people come and join us from 2 to 4 on the 13th. Our Apple Crisp Sale is coming up in a few weeks on October 27th, and then our anniversary Sunday will be on the 29th. For those who... Uh, have a bit of trouble getting up the steps. Our ramp door is now open on Sunday morning, so please use that for your convenience. And what else? Any other announcements to share? Okay, Grace has tickets. Tickets are available. Uh, $15 each, so. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right, thank you. Yeah, see, it, see, see Grace after church. We'll get those tickets out. There's only going to be 100, so they will go fast. So get your tickets quickly. And it will be takeout only. No, no, the soup is just kind of, you're going to get a little cup of soup to, to drink uh, kind of on your way at the door almost. So. <laughs> Just a short time of fellowship, because I know we're all looking to get the family probably next Sunday anyway. Any other announcements? As we continue to do the work of the church, God's church, to bring peace and healing and hope to everyone we meet, the work of the church is supported by our love and the gifts that we share. Our offering will now be received.
Let us pray. Lord, you have blessed us abundantly with your love. In our appreciation of the gifts you give, we respond in all we have. In the name of our risen Savior, amen. As we gather around our Lord's table, let's sing together as we gather at your table. Jesus was always the guest. In the homes of Peter and Jairus, Martha and Mary, Joanna and Susanna, he was always the guest. At the meals of the wealthy, where he pled the case of the poor, he was always the guest. Upsetting polite company, befriending isolated people, welcoming the stranger, he was always the guest. But here, at this table, Jesus is the host. Those who wish to serve him must first be served by him. Those who want to follow him must be first fed by him. Those who would wash his feet must first make him, let him make them clean. For this is the table where God intends us to be nourished. This is the time when Christ can make us new. So come, you who hunger and thirst, for a deeper faith, 
for a fuller life, for a better world. Jesus Christ, who is sat at our tables, now invites us to be a guest at his. Let's join together. Let's, let's just join our hearts in our prayer of confession. As we gather around his table, we become aware that we are not worthy for a seat at this table, for the grace he imparts, for the unconditional love he gives. Yet we are still welcome. We are still welcome when we come with humbling hearts, with willing spirits, with gratitude. Because even in our weakness, it is Christ who makes us strong. We now lay our sins before our Lord as we welcome him to cleanse us. Among friends gathered around a table, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat, and remember. Later on, he took the cup and said, this is my relationship with God. This is the relationship with God made possible in the spilling of my blood. Take it, all of you, to remember. Christ, whom the universe could not contain, is present to us in the breaking of this bread. Christ, who redeemed us and called us by name, now greets us in the sharing of this cup. So take this bread. Take this cup. In this meal that comes to us, so that we may come to God. My friends, this is not the table of Carmen United Church or even the table of the United Church of Canada. This is the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that all who come to believe may live. The feast is ready.
in peace, let us pray. O God, we give you thanks for uniting us as the body of Christ and fulfilling us at this joy at this table. Lead us toward the unity of your church and help us treasure signs of reconciliation. Now that we have tasted the banquet you have prepared for us, may we one day feast together in your heavenly city. Through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. It's been so long since we served, I'm just glad we remembered how to do it. <laughs> Let's join together in a closing hymn. My friends, Jesus has come to reconcile the world to God, to bring us back into relationship with him. And he invites us to share that relationship with others as we seek to reconcile the world that is full of strife and pain. Let us go as beacons of hope, love, and peace, God's light, to reconcile the world to him. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>